Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Keyboard Kimura podcast here on Province Sports Radio. I am your host, E. Spencer Kite, joined by my partner in crime, Patrick Shiviklinski. We are taping on Thursday afternoon. You are most likely hearing this Friday morning as we get set to talk about UFC on Fox 19, UFC Tampa, uh, UFC on Fox, Teixeira versus Evans. Many names with these UFC shows. They need to pick one format to just roll with. But an interesting card, a card that has taken a bunch of hits, uh, doesn't look very much like what it did originally, and we will get to that. Um, but first and foremost, just Patty, how you doing, man? What do you, what do you, what do you think about this card? Are you still excited about this card? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably, you know, one of those guys like you and I, you know, we'll be excited for a fight, you know, if it's if it's any, you know, string of of UFC caliber fights. I mean. I think for for the mainstream fans, it has taken a bit of a hit, but I mean, this is a this is still a card that, that has a lot of recognizable names on it. You have you know Glover Teixeira, you have Rashad Evans, um, you know, a couple great young strawweights in Rose Namajunas and Tisha Torres, and of course, you know, um, not the fight that was originally scheduled uh, to be for Habib Nurmagomedov, but he's back in the octagon. To go on. So I'm excited to see how he looks, you know, after after a lengthy, uh, you know, hiatus that he had with injuries and whatnot. It's been a while since we've seen him compete. So to me, this is still a very interesting card and we could get some um, some interesting results out of it. That's for sure. Yeah. Originally scheduled to be headlined by Habib Nurmagomedov taking on Tony Ferguson. Al-Kakui fell out about a week ago. Now they discovered some some different lung issues that he was dealing with. Pulled from the fight. Khabib actually wanted to stay on. There was a little bit of talk for like a minute about Donald Cowboy Cerrone, but instead he will face promotional newcomer Daryl Horcher. Uh, new main event becomes Glover Teixeira versus Rashad Evans, which was originally supposed to be Shogun Hua versus Rashad Evans. Uh, some different moving around, some different machinations of the fight card, but as you said, still a very good event overall. Obviously, yesterday we lost... Lyoto Machida and Dan Henderson when Machida kind of self-enforced, self-admitted, um, which I think is actually really good and we won't get super into it, but there will be a piece in the paper and online at the province today saying, you know what, at least Lyoto Machida is honest enough to come out and be like, look, I admitted to using this thing where most guys kind of do the like, I have no idea how that got in my system, but we lost that fight on on Wednesday, so... Definitely some changes, but I, like you, think it's still a good card. I think there's some good fights earlier in the card that we will get to later in the show. But I want to just start, we'll touch, let's start on the main event. As we talked about sort of in just prepping for this, I don't think it's a a super pivotal fight for the division. I think these guys are outside of the title picture. Um, Glover Teixeira coming in off a win, Rashad Evans coming in off a loss. But an interesting fight for both guys, I think maybe even more so for Rashad, because we're trying to figure out where he's at career-wise, whether there is sort of a next step for him and and more of a shelf life, or is this the end of a guy that was, you know, the winner of Season 2 of The Ultimate Fighter, former light heavyweight champion, has he reached the end of the line? And I, I think, for me, this fight will tell me a lot, a lot about that. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, it's 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 a fight that we're going to see what Rashad Evans has sort of left <clears throat> in the tank. Um, you know, uh, um, his last fight 
against Ryan Bader was, you know, kind of tough to watch him him go through something like that. You know, prime Rashad Evans, would he have lost to a Ryan Bader? Who knows? You know, these are the questions that, you know, we can't go back in time and, and see that. But as it stands, I, I think, you know, um, Rashad, you know, is, is still one of those guys who's, you know, super popular in the sport and a guy who's very respected um, in that light heavyweight division. But he has lost some of that, um, you know, allure that he had when he was the champion. And, and you know, uh, his last, you know, victory was uh, against an aging Chael Sonnen <laughs> at, you know, UFC 167, which was a was a great performance for Rashad, but not one that really did anything to prove anything to anyone that he's still capable of competing for a title. Um you know, to me, this fight is actually more intriguing than the Shogun fight. And I think you and I can probably both agree on that in terms of, you know, uh, where, where, um, you know, Rashad will stand after it. I mean, if, if he gets a win over a guy like Glover Teixeira um, and it's a decisive win, I think it um, can certainly go a long way in making a case that he can compete with guys like, um, a Alexander Gustafsson in the, in the future, you know, going down the line, maybe he won't fight his teammate Rumble, but um, the you know, a win against uh, Glover, if it's a decisive win, I think can can turn some heads. And um, for me, actually, I think that Glover's in probably a better position right now than uh, than Rashad is. I mean, if he gets a victory over Rashad Evans, that's three in a row for him. That you know, um opens up a lot of possibilities for him. He's still one of these guys in the division that is extremely tough, knockout power. Um, he's fought John Jones for a title before. Obviously, he's getting up there in age. But I think that his only two losses, you know, on on his record in the UFC are, are to pretty, you know, top-tier guys, John Jones, and now, you know, Bellator's own Phil Davis. Um, but I think that for Glover, if he comes out there and if he's able to finish Rashad, uh, I think we could be talking about him, you know, uh, getting that sort of next level fight against someone like a Rumble um, to to get in that, you know, contender mix again. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You mentioned Anthony Johnson there a couple of times because of the shakeup with next week's main event, John Jones losing uh, losing the opportunity to fight Daniel Cormier with DC getting hurt and Ovin St. Probe getting bumped in. We may see AJ sort of bumped out of line in terms of being next, which everybody pretty much assumes that he is given the performances that he's had um, since losing to Daniel Cormier last May. I would love that fight between Glover Teixeira coming off a third straight victory here and Anthony Johnson. But we'll see. Rashad Evans is going to try to have something different to say about it. Um, maybe that fight with, with, with Ryan Bader is just shaking off two years worth of rust from being outside of the cage. We will find out Saturday on Fox, um, in this main event. To me, one of the positives of all the changes on this card is that the strawweights, Rosnama Yunus and Tisha Torres were moved up to the co-main event personally. And I know there are going to be people that disagree with me or want to say, I'm just you know, trying to suck up to the women, the women fighters. I think this should have been the co-main event from Jump Street. This is an opportunity to promote, first and foremost, two top five talents in the division, arguably a title eliminator, and you have Rose Namajunas coming off a main event victory over Paige Van Zant, who is sort of heralded as this. This is the one we need to follow. We've got her on Dancing with the Stars now, so it's a very easy tie-in. I am super excited to see this fight. 
and super happy that these ladies are getting the opportunity to be the co-main event on Fox. I don't care what happens with the ratings. I don't care, you know, if people don't know them as much as they know some of the other names that we've lost, like Dan Henderson and, and Leota Machida. This is, to me, the most competitive and the most compelling fight on this card, and they deserved this billing from the get-go. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, this is this is a true contender fight. I mean, the winner of this fight will likely to go on to fight Joanna Jędrzejczyk or Claudia Gadella, the winner of that fight. So putting them as a co-main event makes a lot of sense. I agree with you 100% on that. It's, it's the most, you know, um, competitive fight on the card. These are two, you know, um, strawweights who are right on the cusp of being, you know, champions. And I think that, you know, given their um, sort of uh, standing in the division, this should have been the co-main event uh, from from the jump st- from Jump Street, as you were saying. And um, also, like you said, I mean, you know, Rosa Muniz with that huge performance over Paige Van Zant, it was it was a groundbreaking performance for for Rose and one that really kind of put her into that upper echelon of the division. And you know, I think the UFC should be promoting that. You know, and when you add Tisha Torres into the mix, uh, another really uh, great fighter who is, you know, kind of underrated and, and a lot of people haven't heard as much about her. She, she's not quite a finisher, but a very technical fighter who is very, very strong and very good, extremely athletic um, already actually has a win over Rosenam Yunus under the Invicta banner um, and over Paige Van Zandt for that matter. So she's beat Van Zandt and Nam Yunus. So, um, this is this is someone who is certainly a, a top contender, and this fight will answer a lot of questions on who's going to be, you know, um, who's going to be next for Joanna Jacek or Claudia Gadella. And I think that either of these two chicks, I mean, you could put them in the in the octagon tomorrow with with Gadella or Jacek, and they'd give us one hell of a fight. I don't know that I'm I'm there with you yet. I think both are still developing in terms of where they're at. Give them. Give them a year. The Joanna violence is just too much for me to bank on anybody yet. Um, I need to see somebody hang with her. Um, Claudia Gadella did the first time. I think she will this second time around. So I'm not quite sure these two are there yet. I was a little surprised when this bout was announced because it is a rematch um, from, as you mentioned, an Invicta show in July 2013. I do think, given the state of the division, it makes sense but to me, that sort of speaks to the need to get a lot more of these strawweight fights out there, a lot more women's fights in general out there, where these contenders are fighting every four or five months and we're not just moving one or two fighters forward. Um, it, it's felt stale for a while in that division, just in terms of not seeing enough people fighting. And so you're left in these positions where all you can do is is match Rose Namajunas and Tisha Torres rather than have sort of Rose who's at number three in the rankings fight someone that's at eight or nine or ten in there and Tisha do the same and move whoever else forward. Just feels like that maybe would have been a better opportunity. We haven't seen, you know, part of that is that Claudia Gadelia, or sorry, Carla Esparza hasn't fought since losing to Joanna Jacek, she had to deal with some surgeries. Same thing for Jessica Penne. Just saw today she is booked for UFC 199 in Los Angeles, so that gets her back into the mix. 
Valaterno hasn't been back. We lost Michelle Watterson with a knee injury. So some of it is just circumstance, but I would love to see Sean Shelby in the UFC take a little bit more energy towards getting these female fighters out there so we don't just pair off the top two all the time and, and not build the entire division. But I think no one will disagree that this is going to be a phenomenal fight, a wildly entertaining fight, and hopefully one that that really gets these two fighters and hopefully even the division over a little more with a different audience that we tend to see on Fox on Saturday night. And I mean, I think, I, I think that this fight is kind of interesting because uh, one of the knocks on, on Rosa and Muniz, it's, it's never really been, is she talented? Is she good enough? It's, you know, for, for a little while, it's been mentally, you know, where is she at? And she's had some, you know, trouble sort of trusting in her skill set and, and sort of taking it to that next level where she really believes that she can compete for a title. A win over someone who previously beat you and an, uh, a win, a decisive win at that, can go a long way in boosting that confidence. I mean, the, the fight with Paige Van Zandt, I think it was one step in the right direction for uh, for Rose. She got a lot of confidence off that. Now I think she's feeling motivated and, and like she can compete at that level. And a win over Tisha Torres... Man, I mean, for, for a girl as talented as Rose Namajunas, that could go a huge, you know, long way in kind of getting her mind right for that title shot whenever that comes. Yeah, it definitely is. Looks like she has turned that corner a little bit. I think the fight with Carla Esparza coming out of the Ultimate Fighter Season 20, losing that championship fight, we hear it all the time. Those losses, especially in the big moments, do more for your career than maybe the victories do. I think it was a net positive for Thug Rose. Uh, and I think we see, you know, more of the same from her, from the Paige Van Zant fight this weekend and probably avenging that loss. That I know that we'll have the punch drunk predictions up on Friday. I'm going to say it right here. I'm picking Thug Rose. I think she is the one to watch in this division going forward long-term outside of the champion, of course. That's right. Well, we'll we will see about that. I got Tisha Torres. <laughs> interesting, interesting. There we go. It's the Keyboard Kimura podcast on Province Sports Radio. East Spencer Kite and Patrick Shivik-Glinski. We get to, to me, the most intriguing fight on the card from a organizational and sort of strategy standpoint. Khabib Nurmagomedov staying on the card, as we said, taking on Daryl Horcher. Um, I wrote a piece that went up today, Thursday, on Fansided. I believe it's titled Khabib Nurmagomedov in the Get Right Fight. Um, the basis of it being, I think this is ultimately the right thing and a good thing and something the UFC should look at doing more often. It has been two years since we saw Habib in action. That fight obviously was against Rafael Dos Anjos, who is now the champion of the lightweight division. As much as the fan in me was super excited to see Nurmagomedov take on Tony Ferguson in a this could go absolutely any any number of ways because Tony Ferguson does crazy stuff in the cage. I think I'm far happier to see Habib come back, get a win, shake off some of that rush, rust. Sorry, Daryl Horcher. Yes, he is going to beat you. That is just my... If you pull this upset, this is huge, and congratulations. I will offer a retraction on Monday. But I would rather see him get back, get a win, get his footing under him again, and then go through a second camp to have maybe that title eliminator fight or into 
a championship fight after this with a victory just on the strength of his overall resume rather than come back and the fighter referenced in the piece is the Cain Velasquez Fabricio Verdum fight rather than have a guy come back where it's been so long since he fought and he's tentative on his knee and he's not you know he's he's not a hundred percent in the cage in terms of level of comfort and level of performance it's not the best we're going to see of him and we don't necessarily get the result that we want like I didn't think I had no idea who was going to win that fight I hadn't decided on a pick yet so it fell through I just think it would suck to see Habib lose his undefeated streak lose some momentum coming back off a two-year hiatus fighting an absolute stud in Tony Ferguson whereas now he gets to come back get his feet wet get back into rhythm, get a victory, and then move forward without the UFC losing one of their top three or four contenders in that division. Am I crazy? Does that make sense? What are your thoughts on on Habib sticking on this card against a UFC newcomer? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think for, for all the reasons that you just laid out, it is a blessing in, dis- in disguise, I think, for, uh, for Habib. You know, it's it's been a long time since he's been out it's been almost two years since we've seen him compete you know we obviously know how talented he is undefeated guy holds a win over Rafael dos Anjos, you know all these accolades but listen you you take two years away from active competition I don't care who you are that's a still a big deal and it's a it's a big drop especially when you're fighting a guy who's as tricky and as crafty as Tony Ferguson like you said I mean if that fight went down it could go a ton of different ways and and tony ferguson isn't one of those guys who's afraid to try crazy ass techniques in the octagon he'll do some crazy stuff to win the fight and i think it was a you know a high high risk fight for habib so for him to come back in against you know daryl horton and, and and get a win you know just just to sort of get back in that octagon feel that's going to do a lot for him i think moving forward you know it it really doesn't i don't think i mean all due respect to to daryl but it really doesn't matter i think who the opponent is you know right now as long as it's someone who can you know let him stay active and let you know habib kind of work you know it's kind of like habib versus habib out there in some ways just just getting over those injury issues and getting you know over the things that he's gone through in the in the last couple of years with his body just getting right like you said i mean this is this is um a fight that is very winnable for him let's let's be honest but <laughs> i think you know um the the idea behind at least keeping him on this card is let's keep him active He's finally gotten here because how many times have we heard Habib's coming back? Well, and that's the oh, other no. thing I was going to say is <laughs> yeah. that you you get to this point where sure you can push it back, and Tony Ferguson is you know expected back relatively soon, and there was a little bit of talk of maybe they just add it to that May 29th show in Las Vegas, but you have Habib healthy, you have a guy that has been out for two years that has been close a number of times. I think there's been two or three fights since that last fight where he's either gotten hurt or just something has come up that has delayed his return. You've got him here. Get him back in action. It's an absolute lottery ticket opportunity for Daryl Horcher. Go out and have a good performance. You instantly make a name for him, for yourself. Get a win, and you are the flavor of the month. Um, it keeps a guy that you want fans to see and that you need back in the division. 
because a lot of people, hardcore fans, people in the MMA community, really look at Habib as the uncrowned champion because he did dominate Rafael Dos Anjos, who has subsequently gone on to win every fight he's had since then, including win the title and defend the title. And so rather than push him back and say, you know what, we're going to wait, we're going to keep that fight together, we'll do it at the end of May or we'll do it in June sometime and roll in the dice that he gets hurt again or some other stuff comes up, keep him in there, get him a fight, get him active, and then deal with future once we get there. And it's crazy to me because the UFC has always seemed to be a here-and-now organization and then sometimes they try to look to the future and it's like, just just take what you have in this situation. So I'm glad that they've gone forward. I'm glad that they didn't break up any other fights that are sort of lined up down the road and they just brought in somebody. And I think it's something they should really look at doing more regularly. Maybe not number one contender in the division versus brand new fighter to the UFC. But some of these, like, to me, you don't always have to go number one versus number two. It's great in situations where you don't have an immediate title challenger and you're trying to solidify one, maybe like in the welterweight division with Rory McDonald and Stephen Thompson in, in June in Ottawa. But in other cases, I think there's so much room for them to develop a little bit more depth in the contender ranks in different divisions by having the number one or number two guy fight someone a little bit lower down the rankings so that if the number one and number two guy win, they stay where they are. But if the other guy wins, they move up. They get a little bit of momentum. Their name gets out there because they're fighting a bigger name opponent. Otherwise, you just end up where that middle of the pack is always fighting each other. And no one is taking a step forward because they're never getting in there with those truly elite guys. And you leave yourself so short on options that it just makes sense to me to, to do this every once in a while. Yeah, no. Here's my question to you. I mean, I'm curious to see if, you know, and, and you know, probably, let, let's be honest, you know, Habib's going to win the fight. Do they do the Tony Ferguson fight in the end, or do they give Habib that immediate title shot? I think it depends on when Rafael Dos Anjos is going to be back. Um, I think you have Eddie Alvarez there that you can give a title shot to based on the strength of his last two victories, uh, wins over Gilbert Melendez and Anthony Pettis, the former champion. I think you can do that. I think they may look at Nate Diaz if he gets another win over Conor McGregor down the road. I think there may be a little bit of just waiting to see what happens there. But I also think if if Habib goes out, you can do an a, a title fight right after that because he does have that victory. They have been chirping one another on social media, and it would make sense. It is a fight. It's sort of the fight that everybody's already expecting, and so I don't think you're going to get that much brushback if he goes out, completely murks Daryl Horcher, and then they say, you know what? UFC 200, Nurmagomedov, Dos Anjos, Volume 2, let's do it. I don't think anybody's going to get up there and be like, yeah, but his last fight was against Daryl Horcher because he's got that win over Dos Anjos because... All the way through to that point, we were talking about this guy being the number one contender. Every fight that's been canceled in this two years since that fight has been a number one contender kind of fight. So I think the possibility is there to do it. I think they'll make that call probably Sunday evening, Saturday evening, 
maybe Sunday morning on the jet back to, to Las Vegas after they see what Habib looks like and make sure that he comes away from the fight with a clean bill of health. You agree, disagree? Like, would you be upset if they did it? If they just said, you know what, title fight, UFC 200, here you go? Oh, hell no. No, I think, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's the fight that everybody wants to see. Everyone wants to see Dos Anjos and Habib, you know, kind of go at it for a second time and see if, you know, those those two years off for Habib have made, you know, him slow down significantly to the point where Dos Anjos has now caught up or and or, you know, surpassed Habib. Um, I've, I'd be really curious to to run that fight back. I think it would answer a lot of questions about, you know, where Habib is at after all these injuries and and all these issues that he's had. And for Dos Anjos, um, sort of his heart as a champion. I mean, if he can go out there and beat a guy who previously, like you said, dominated him, that goes a long way in saying, hey, you know, RDA, he might be one of the better lightweight champions we've seen in a while, for sure. Well, and I do think one of the other things that, that we often forget to sort of factor in here and, and touch on and speak about for both Habib staying on this fight and what comes next, um, he definitely, you know, he is a practicing Muslim. He takes Ramadan off. It falls June 6th to July 5th this year. And so he won't be fighting in that period. And so maybe that sort of eliminates UFC 200. It also sort of leaves him fewer options going forward. So stay on the card, get a fight in, take a couple months off, start back into camp after Ramadan and return afterwards. So maybe that makes the Tony Ferguson fight more likely down the road, down in September or October sometime, but we'll have to wait and see. But that is another part of this discussion and part of obviously the determination in, in going forward. Um, before we get to a couple preliminary card fights that we just want to keep an eye on, Main card either closes out or kicks off with, depending on how you're looking at it, a featherweight matchup with between the returning Cub Swanson and Hawkren Diaz, a very under-the-radar top 10 pairing. Um, good to see Cub Swanson back in action for the first time in a year. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, he's he's a guy who I always thought, you know, has, has been an underrated kind of member of the, the featherweight division. He had, you know a pair of really, really tough opponents in his, in his last couple of fights, you know, and Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway. So there's absolutely no shame in losing to those guys. Um, obviously, he took some nasty, nasty injuries after the Holloway fight. Uh, I think he had a broken jaw and, and some other stuff was messed up in his hand. He He's had a tough go of it, but I think, you know, Cubs always been uh, a gamer. You know, he, he comes out and he always puts on a, a really great performance. He's always had that aggressive style. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, um, I'm not sure what kind of Cub Swanson we see coming in, maybe a little more on the technical side, a little less, you know, kind of uh, balls to the wall, risky sometimes that he does, you know, he tries to land those big shots. Maybe he'll be a little more technical, a little more precise with this performance. But I think that having him back in that featherweight division is is a big deal, and he's um he's one of the guys that I think is is still in that mix um for for a title shot at one point in time. I mean, we'll have to see how things play out if Connor returns to the division. There's so many friggin' question marks with this featherweight division, you know, and that changes pretty much all the time. 
but I think with um, you know with a new champion perhaps at the top or whoever ends up winning against you know Aldo and and Frankie, I mean it'll be interesting to see how how Cub fits into the equation and he's fighting a pretty tough guy. Hakron Diaz is has had a pretty nice run of success in in his last couple fights and done a good job where where he's been put into situations and I think that this is going to be one of those fights that shows us what we can expect from Killer Cub. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that fans like to see and and love to watch. He's very exciting, but uh, you know, I I'm I'm hoping that he comes in uh, to this fight, you know, obviously um, uh, healed up and, and, you know, rested up from, from all the injuries that he's had, but I'd, I'd like to see maybe a little more of a technical performance, as I was saying, just, just to sort of, you know, keep his, keep his, you know, um, strengths in, in, in the fight, but also to kind of, you know, not, uh, not, not risk, sort of getting hurt too much in this fight as well. I mean, you know, obviously every time you go into the octagon, you're taking a risk, but I'd just like to see Cub get in there, you know, maybe get a solid win here and get right back into that mix. Yeah, the interesting thing, and and friend of the podcast, occasional co-host, Dwayne Finley, who is now at Flow Combat, which you guys should definitely check out and follow. Check him out on Twitter to get all the updates, at F-L-O-C-O-M-B-A-T. Um, talk to Cub in, in advance of this fight and put together a great piece, his debut piece for Flow Combat, talking to him about just sort of why it's been a year and, and what needed to happen and where he's at. The biggest thing coming away from those last two fights, yes, there were physical injuries and it took a physical toll on him, the Max Holloway fight, but the bigger thing was mental. He rattled off six straight wins, was dominant, beat everybody the UFC asked him to beat, continued to step up and, and take on tough guys, gets that fifth win and they say, okay, one more. And he gets that win and they say, well, okay, one more. And there comes a certain point, and we've talked about it, I've written about it, where there's just not enough propelling these guys forward to have to go out there and, and try to extend a six-fight winning streak into a seven-fight winning streak against Frankie Edgar when you've been told, <laughs> win that last one and you get a title shot and then it doesn't happen. And then you got to go out there and face a young stud like Max Holloway and that ends up sort of becoming a second straight loss. It took a toll on him mentally and just energy-wise and emotionally, and he needed that time to just sort of back away and, and sort of rebuild himself from that. So I think we will see that technical, ferocious Cub Swanson that you're hoping for, that we are used to. Hakron Diaz, definitely a tough customer, a guy that has a pair of good wins in his last two outings. But I still believe that Cub Swanson, when he's right and when he's clicking on all cylinders, is a top five fighter in this featherweight division. And I expect that we see that Saturday kicking off the main card on Fox. It is the Keyboard Kimura podcast on Province Sports Radio. East Spencer Kite and Patrick Shifiklinski just finishing up an, a look at UFC on Fox in Tampa on Saturday with a couple of fights from the preliminary card that maybe aren't getting a lot of attention but are definitely worth checking out. Patty, what's the one that sort of jumps off the page to you? Uh, that would be Mr. Magic Man himself, the magician's return to uh, the 135-pound ranks, John Dodson versus Manny Gamburin. Um, obviously, this is uh, Dodson's first fight back at 135 pounds after um, going through, you know, a good chunk of that 125-pound division um, and going through a lot of those guys guys and 
ultimately um, losing twice to Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, one of the greatest to ever do it. But I think this is an opportunity for Dodson to sort of uh, rebuild in another division and try to, you know, get get some opportunities where he probably, you know, wouldn't have gotten any more opportunities to fight Mighty Mouse again. Let's be honest. I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but that's kind of how the sport goes. So I think he saw that his you know, opportunities in that division were, you know, at their limit. And while, you know, Mighty Mouse is continuing and going to be the champion, I think that there wasn't going to be another Dodson Mighty Mouse rematch. So smart of him, I think, to go up to 135. He's obviously competed at 135 before as, as you know, he did on the Ultimate Fighter when he won. And then he finished uh, TJ Dillashaw in the finale. Uh, that was a while ago. Things have changed a lot. You know, there's, you know, a new champion who is actually an old champion in Dominic Cruz. There's there's some things in that division that have changed and it's gotten better and I think deeper since he was last in it. So I'm curious to see what we get from Dodson. I think that a fight against Manny Gamburian is a good first test. It's, um, you know, it's a solid veteran who he's facing off against. But also I think it's it's a winnable fight for for Dodson if he comes in there prepared, and the um you know the size discrepancy between these two guys isn't I don't think as evident as as uh, it might be against someone else in the division. Um, you know, Manny Gambier and I think he might have like two inches on on <laughs> um, John Dodson or something like that. But um, this is a good test for for Dodson to see how that you know his signature style translates to the bantamweight division uh, as it stands in 2016. I'm curious to see if, you know, he can have that power in his hands that we're so accustomed to seeing when he was uh, at 125 pounds. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks surrounding maybe his long-term ability to compete at this, uh, at this weight class. But I think a win over Manny Gamburian will, um, you know, at least give him some ability to move forward at, you know, at a good pace in the division where he's not being thrown to the wolves necessarily right off the bat, just get a couple good wins perhaps over some, uh, over some vets in that division and then see, you know, where he's at from there. Yeah. I got a chance to talk to little John for UFC.com. That story is up right now about this move, about this switch, obviously tons of success at flyweight outside of being able to defeat Demetrius Johnson that clearly factored into it. He said, you know, what What do I want to do? Stick around there and be the guy that's knocking out everybody that they throw at me. But I can't move forward sort of similar to what we've seen with Joseph Benavidez. Or do I want to go up and enter a division where I've already had success against the guy that held the title in TJ Dillashaw, whom he knocked out on season 14 of The Ultimate Fighter. It's fresh rankings, it's fresh matchups, there's room for me to move forward. I don't have to go through a miserable weight cut to get down to 25, which is a big cut for him. He walks around as small as John Dodson is, he is a bit of a fire hydrant. He walks around at about a buck sixty-five, so getting to 35 is a little easier than getting to 25. It is a fresh matchup. It is a good matchup as well with Manny Gambirin. Stylistically, I think this plays into John Dodson's hands because Gambirin will get in there. And Chuck Knuckles with him. I think we see a finish for the Magician. And I do like his prospects here. Just from the stance of some fun, entertaining opportunities. We've talked about it a bunch on this show. Every division needs those guys that maybe aren't title challengers. But you can count on every time out. John Dodson is 100% one of those guys. 
I like the move. I like the pick for this fight as well. Definitely one people should check out. It is the Fight Pass featured prelim. That is a mouthful to say. So check it out on UFC on Fight Pass. My pick is actually the featured prelim on the at the end of the preliminary card. Prelims this week actually air on Big Fox, so you will be able to check them out. It is a lightweight battle between Benil Dariush and Michael Chiesa. Two guys, I mean, we talked earlier about Hakran Diaz and, and Cub Swanson being an under-the-radar top five fight. This, to me, is an under-the-radar top 15 fight in arguably the best, most loaded division in the UFC, the lightweight ranks. Kiesa coming off some strong performances, telling us that this was going to be the year where, mark his words, at the end of the year, he will be in a top five. He is taking those steps, got a good finish of Jim Miller last time out in December. Now gets Dariush, who's sort of in that lower half of the top 10. Yes, his last outing was a questionable decision win over Michael Johnson, but on the whole of what he's shown in his last five fights, you have to be impressed. He too had a good win over Jim Miller, um, went out and decisioned Carlos Diego Ferreira, is a Kings MMA guy, so we know what they've been able to do as of late. I just think this is going to be a wildly entertaining scramble fest to close out the prelims and head us into that four-fight main card that hopefully delivers as much as it can. Yeah, scramble fest is a good way to put it. I think, you know, these guys are are two super, you know, high-level grapplers who submit a lot of their opponents when they're they're winning and they're at their best. I mean, Benil Dariush, he's, you know... um, had some great submission victories in the past. And uh, Michael Chiesa is just coming off of um, a, a submission of a, of a pretty tough vet in, in Jim Miller. So this is an exciting fight. And I think we're going to see a lot, like you said, I mean, of those, of those scrambles on the ground, there's going to be some chess match uh, action going on, but it's all going to be very exciting because two very high level guys competing against each other. When you get two of those guys who, can work on the ground at, at that level, it's extremely exciting to watch on TV. So um, this is a fight that I'm very excited for as well. Benil Dariush, he's certainly right on that cusp, I think, of of getting a big, big name. Obviously, um, the fight with Michael Johnson wasn't as decisive and probably not really a win, let's be honest, for Benil Dariush. But um it's it's this is an opportunity for him to to get a win over a very very tough guy in Michael Chiesa and then move forward against another top ten opponent um, later this year. I think for Chiesa, I mean, if he can come out there and and stop a guy like Benil Dariush, especially if he if he submits him on the ground, and then you know people are going to be turning their heads. So both these guys have a lot riding on this fight, and this is an opportunity for both of them to. Really, um, a win here can get them that that really big name in the division. You know, maybe a top ten kind of guy. You know, the six or seven. Well, and kind as of guy, yeah. as we talked about with sort of the Habib Nurmagomedov, Tony Ferguson, maybe title shot, maybe not title shot. These guys can definitely play into that because the timeline works in terms of you know the winner of this. Maybe they become a guy that that Habib fights or that Ferguson fights. When he's healthy and ready to get back into it, if they do an Eddie Alvarez, Rafael Dos Anjos fight at 200 or something like that, because the timing the timing lines up, they'll be in that position in the division, and some of the some of the guys that are ahead of them 
have already suffered some losses. Cowboy obviously fighting at welterweight in Ottawa. Anthony Pettis needing to rebuild. Um, Gilbert Melendez still cooling out after his suspension. So there is a lot of opportunity here. I think this is a more pivotal sort of important fight in the division than maybe people recognize and maybe people understand and, and a great way to close out what should be a great set of prelims on Saturday. I know you've got to run pretty soon. You got to pick up the little lady. So I will <laughs> let you get out of here by just letting people know where to follow. I know you've got a story coming out later today with Rashad Evans. We'll have the punch drunk predictions on keyboard Kimura and then next week, we're jumping into UFC 197. So tell everybody where to follow, and then I will let you leave. Yeah, as always, um, Twitter handle, at Patch Fuglinski, at P-A-T-C-W-I-K-L-I-N-S-K-I. I was uh, taking over a bit of duties this week for Spencer, who was up on the mountain chasing bears and stuff like that. I don't know. Saw a um, bear. Absolutely <laughs> saw a bear. It was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, don't, um, so, you know, I've been sort of taking over the last couple of days. Um, five reasons to watch is up right now on keyboard Kimura. Um, the prospect watch is up on keyboard Kimura right now. So, uh, make sure to read those before Saturday's action. As Spencer said, uh, story with Rashad is coming real soon. It'll be probably up by the time this is on the broadcast. So make sure to follow me, make sure to follow keyboard Kimura uh, tune in and uh, just just see what's up. We have punch pr- drunk predictions coming up. So busy couple days here, and, and there's going to be a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. Busy couple days with UFC on Fox in Tampa on Saturday, then a crazy week next week with UFC 197. I will be on my way back to the Keyboard Kimura HQ in Las Vegas, the Hooters Hotel, Las Vegas, the fine folks on East East Tropicana. So follow Pat, follow, as he said, keyboard Kimura at keyboard Kimura. We keep that one real simple. Follow me at Spencer Kite. We keep that simple as well. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, however you listen to your podcasts. Please do us a favor and click that subscribe button. Fill out a review if you would like. Those things are vitally important. Even if you just want to say how awful we are, we will take the review. Doesn't matter what it says. But as always, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoy the fights this weekend. See you next week. Patty, go pick up your lady. (laughs) You've been listening to Keyboard Kimura, the official mixed martial arts podcast of the province. Read the Keyboard Kimura blog on theprovince.com, follow them on Twitter at Keyboard Kimura, or visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Keyboard Kimura. (laughs) 